welcome to Mighty Gems, Spotlighting Everyday Jewels with your host, Dee Lee. It is common for all of us to take things for granted, the familiar in our daily lives. For example, our home, our job, our health, our relationships with family and friends and pets. By paying attention and polishing your own life gems, you can add your light to life, and that creates a mighty gem. On today's program, you will learn how paying attention to the small things can make your life mighty. So polish the facets of the extraordinary jewels around you by joining your host, Dee Lee. Learn how being mighty is possible when you polish the extraordinary jewels in your life. Now, here is your host, Dee Lee. Welcome to our show, Mighty Gems, Spotlighting Everyday Jewels. My name is Dee Lee, and today I'm honored to be here with our guest host, Lynn Sherell. Hi, Lynn. Hi. <laughs> what are gems and jewels really? They are stones and tend to have different value for each person. It really depends upon how the person relates to them individually as to the true value they have. As a little stone or pebble, they could be considered to be very small from a physical size, but could have a huge value in terms of a different sense and basic effect. As we are spotlighting everyday jewels, we are taking a closer look at ordinary things in our daily living that are really magnificent when we stop and pay attention. As with jewels, the value is in the eye of the beholder. The sparkle can be a different attraction for everyone, but it tends to catch our attention. We are very inspired. Just smiling, you know, Art Linkletter had some good advice. Just smiling goes a long way toward making you feel better about life. And when you feel better about life, your life is better. That's Makes sense, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you wander in and out of stores for a little retail therapy, it's a good bet that when you're looking, what you're looking for isn't in the shops. Instead, you're likely looking for something that will make you feel good, happier, more loved, or just better. Unfortunately, it's a bit like eating cotton candy for dinner. The uh, satisfaction is short-lived, so you do what any anybody um, does, and uh, you try a different store, or you try a different shop for cotton candy. And a different purchase um, might be helpful, but for the most part, um, you're not going to really know um, that something's going to feel good uh, because that usually is not what you're going to end up with if you're out retail shopping. And what we've been searching for a lot of times is within ourselves. And the good news is that there's another way to feel good. And it's a lot less expensive than out there in the retail area. <laughs> Usually I have to. <laughs> usually I forget to leave my wallet at home because I have to take it with me. But you know, it's like oh, and then you start pondering and musing about something that catches your eye, and there you go. So a real question: Do you feel you are too busy every moment, and do you have any opportunities in your daily schedule to just be? You have the internal power. And you have the choice to be just yourself and feel good. You have the power to take the time necessary for you to rest if that is what you need. You have the power to enjoy whatever you have created or are creating and allowing yourself to just be. You have the power to choose what it means to you to find peace, internal stillness and harmony each moment. 
after having experienced the various waves in your life from the lowest points to the highest points. You have the power to create a time to celebrate your pure connection to your source of being. Here's a poem I wrote that helps to remind myself how simple it can be finding a smile. Smiling is called Smiling Reflection Reminders Abound. Without making a sound, they can maneuver you all around in full emotion, emotional impression. From the wall mirror, you catch a glance of the passing image of you. Take a moment to look, smile, and say, hey, I feel the energy. I feel good today. Look into a water puddle. I don't know that's easy around Seattle. You might step around. A vibrant reflection will catch your eye of colorful ripples of clouds floating by. Take a moment to look, smile, and say, hey, I feel the energy. I feel good today. Immediately focus on your inner emotion, reflections of your powerful state of being. I feel the energy. I feel good. It is a chance to walk the talk, to ground, to reflect, and share in a physical sense. Truly seeing, seeing the inspirational possibilities that smiling reflection reminders abound. Ellen Watts shared, To have faith is to trust yourself in the, to the water. When you swim, you don't grab hold of the water, because if you do, you will sink and drown. Instead, you relax and float. We've been taking a long, deep look within ourselves as we have been prospecting and taking a look at the mighty gems and jewels that we are each as individuals. As we grow and expand within, so we also affect our surroundings and others we relate to. In our search to understand more of who we are as mighty gems, we are exploring our individual basic human energetic system called the chakra system. Today we are exploring the 13th chakra words and how we can utilize them to make our lives better on our inside as well as on our outside expansion of who we really are. The keys to relating at this level is to understand the words awakening, consciousness, divine unconditional love, creative beauty, perfect balance within, living, transcending, enduring, and presence. Your awareness is slowly being moved away from your center your own self, and being moved outward to encompass the larger framework of other people, realities, and divinity itself. In this way, you become more than you were before, and more perfect, too. As you stop focusing on yourself and begin to focus on these larger energies, you move out of your small world and step into a new universe where almost anything is possible. From a reality-creating standpoint, this movement in possibilities is very, very powerful. Absolutely. Well, uh, Edmund Mbiaka, I'm not sure who he is, but his words are amazing. The very moment that you stop waiting for things or people to make you feel better about yourself and start depending on your positive thoughts, that's when you become unconditionally happy with your life. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds so simple. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) It's one of those deceptively simple things. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's actually doing it might be a little more challenging, but it really isn't. If you just do what you, I love that quote that you shared by Alan Watts, to have faith is to trust yourself to the water. That's just powerful. You know, if you grab for something, it's not, it just eludes you or it will drown you. (laughs) Feeling good is like having water wings. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yay! <laughs> so here are some thoughts on how to be good from WikiHow. Um, philosophers have been debating what is good and what is not for centuries. And many people find that it's more complicated than just being kind. While every person's journey is different, being good has a lot to do with discovering yourself and your role in the world. In order to truly be good, you will have to consider what goodness means to you. And maybe this means doing good for others, or maybe it's simply being an honest and kind person. So the first thing you really want to do is define what good, quote unquote, means to you. Being good does not mean only by outer goodness. You have to consider being good straight from the heart. So ultimately, you have to decide on your own code of ethics. And what matters is that you follow through with what you believe makes you a good person. And at times, this may conflict with what others believe is good, and they might even accuse you of being wrong. So consider their views. Either they know something you don't, in which case you might learn something from them and update your own point of view, or maybe their experience is limited, which means that you should take their views with a grain of salt. Secondly, be good for its own sake. Don't try to be a good person because your parents told you to or because you want recognition or respect or for any kind of reward other than your own satisfaction in doing what you believe is good. So this is not about acting superior to anyone else or bragging about being good or righteous. Your dedication to a particular ideology or creed or set of guidelines does not make you better than anyone else. Do what you believe makes you a good person on your terms and remember that it's an individual journey. Everyone's path is unique. Do good by stealth and blush to find it fame. So I think that's kind of an interesting quote too. So you want to sneak in there and do good stuff and, and you know, when it's surfaced, it's like, oh, you know, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> and where did it go? <laughs> right, yeah, there you go. And then third, be proactive. It's tempting to infer that as long as you avoid doing the things you know are bad, bad-mouthing people, stealing, lying, saying hurtful things, you know, with malicious intent, well, then that means that, you know, if you think that you avoid doing those things, that that means that you're a really good person, that's not true. That There's more to it than that. By avoiding bad behavior, you've made a big step toward becoming a good person, but that's really only the beginning. In order to truly be good, you actually have to do good things rather than just avoiding doing bad things. <laughs> right? I'm Makes sense, doesn't it? In. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like it's you can't just avoid the donuts. You actually have to drink the green smoothie, right? So <laughs> <laughs> or go and sit and really take a deep breath and breathe in all of the the wonderful abundance in the in the box of of donuts. And then <laughs> take a look at I them and good. and look at them and just feel the essence of all that stuff kind of going eh, in your system. <laughs> yeah, if I could just get past the frosting. You know, if they've got it frosting oh, pretty, yeah. <laughs> Especially with those Toast. little sprinkles on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they dress it up. They dress up the, you know, so you really have to have it. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, I remember going with my mother to get a box of donuts for the church uh, function or something, and we actually got two boxes because we ate one whole box. <laughs> That's a good mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was very helpful in a lot of ways. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. She let you experience the joy of sprinkles. Love it. <laughs>
Well, and here's another one. Consider the results. Have you ever heard the saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions? <laughs> it's, you know, I think we were just talking about that. Um, <laughs> it's not enough to actually want to do good and to try to do good. You must also think about whether your actions actually have good results. Well, sorry, so, tasty. Not... <laughs> <laughs> it's the tasty way to go. <laughs> Uh, well, not every attempt to actually do good will end with good results. So when things don't work out, be willing to reconsider your actions and then change them up accordingly. So you also don't want to let your sense of duty or loyalty or obligation get in the way of doing what's right. So, for example, many parents feel that it's good to help their children in every way possible, but there are times when children need to learn lessons on their own and face challenges in order to achieve or to avoid mistakes. They need to learn. So, for the future, a, a child who has been arrested on suspicion of drunk driving needs to bear the responsibility of those actions. So, if the parent bails that child out and then helps the child to avoid consequences, that child will only learn that the parent will be there to help them even if they're doing wrong. So the intention is good, wanting to help the child succeed, but the action might not be, which is removing all obstacles from their path and therefore not letting them learn the actual lesson. So you want to consider the results of the actions that you're taking. And then, of course, you want to consider the greater good. What might seem like a good idea in your situation may not have a very good impact on a broader scale. So, for example, you know, going with that um, same uh, situation, the child will not have experienced punishment for that DUI and they might go out and violate that law again and maybe this time somebody will get hurt. So people often do right things for the wrong reasons and then wrong things for the right reasons. If you're playing a game with your team, for instance, it might seem good to try and score as many goals as you can to bring your team to victory, but if you look at the big picture, how will your teammates feel if you score all the points instead of helping them you know, by setting them up to score or not, if you're not allowing them to play or get a shot in, right? That kind of victory is probably not going to have a great um, positive impact on team spirit. So would you still feel good if your team won, but your teammates felt that it was an individual effort and they weren't even involved in it? So consider the long-term impact of your decisions and what they might mean for others. And a lot of times it's a split decision, so you don't really think in the future. It's more of that moment. How does it feel? Mm. And Carolyn Miss said, it doesn't matter what you choose. What matters is the energy with what you choose it. Yeah, she's amazing. She's my mentor. She doesn't know it. Someday I'm going to tell her. But yeah, it's really it's not about what you choose, but why you choose it. That's yeah, what you, and it. how you choose it. You know, what, what's your energy? Mm -hmm. And that's part of what we've been talking about here is our human energy has all kinds of helpful ways to help us or get us into more challenges. In the struggle to be good, it's easy to swing from one exam extreme to another. However, any form of extremism can lead to closed-mindedness, a quality that can be found behind what most people can agree are bad deeds. In Buddhism, there's a term for avoiding extremism. It's called the middle way. Whenever you find yourself leaning towards an extreme, try to find the middle way before you act. This isn't going to be easy, but it, if being good was easy, wouldn't every good-hearted person be good? Here are a couple of dilemmas you may encounter. It's good to be humble and kind, but is it not good to be so humble and kind that you let people walk all over you to the extent that it damages your physical and emotional health? 
or lessens your ability to care for, spend time with, and provide for your family. <coughs> Excuse me. It's good to be responsible, pay your bills on time, plan for retirement, save up for your kids to go to college. But is it good to be this way to point that you, um, you hoard away thousands of dollars in your mattress? And wealth, you know, it's, it's kind of a question. So financial security um, is, you know, you could withhold ever giving someone el anything else. It, you know, it's feelings of being fortunate enough to be born into your family. Or is it a family that, you know, gives up, you know, the, or gives out so much that it becomes a, a detriment to the people that they're giving the, the handout? It's good to be positive, but is it good to be so positive that you ignore risks and brush mistakes under the rug, never learning from bad decisions before you're always positive, because you're always positive, and that it will work out the next time? That's rather a um, probably a common practice. It's good to be honest, but is it good to be so honest that you hurt people's feelings unnecessarily? violate someone's privacy or prevent someone from finding answers that they might need to find for themselves. Give people the benefit of the doubt to the extent that it doesn't jeopardize your safety, like getting in the car with a group of people you just met. Assume each person you meet is a good person and act like likewise. If you see someone do something that you think is, um, not very good, consider what they are dealing with in the context of their own life. Don't just jump to conclusions. Try to discover what motivated their bad act, and if appropriate, show them how it was hurtful by using nonviolent communication. Many times, helping someone else becomes a, to become a good person gently, open-minded and unimposing way can help you learn and become a better person yourself. So it's like teaching someone and helping someone to learn the boundaries that they're exceeding or, you know, by sharing some, some learning opportunities. And um, by learning, constantly improving your understanding of what goodness means, you're continuing to help yourself and also help others. You can also learn from your own mistakes from others and from history. And on that note, we're going to take a minute, a couple minutes for a break. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you interested in actualizing your potential to be, do, and have more? If yes, then consider this your invitation. Intellike dates back to Aristotle, who used the word to describe the potential of a thing becoming itself. For example, a kitten has the intellike to become a cat. So what is human intellike? It's about discovering your destiny to live your freedom. Discover who you really are through one of the programs at www.humanintellike.com. Be who you are here to be. And remember, your life is a powerful expression of potential. Whether you activate that for its highest good or not is your choice. www.humanintellike.com. That's human, E-N-T-E-L-E-C-H-Y.com. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. 
Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenise and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. To reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send us an email to jewels at mightygems.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is Dee Lee, and I'm here with my uh, honored guest, Lynn Sherrill. And we're talking about feeling good. Um, One of the things that we've been chatting about is um, how to look around yourself and make choices. And one of the things that's pretty powerful is actually finding a guide um, out there that, you know, can seek someone you can talk to about these important things. Um, emotions and topics such as this, as this um, are not something typically that you can just walk up to somebody and start talking because more, <laughs> more than not, they'll take a look at you and run the other way. Um, well, relations people aren't used to talking like this, right? No, These are the no. deeper issues of life, and and so they they're uncomfortable because they haven't even looked at it for themselves, and then to be talking about it with someone else, it surfaces things they didn't even know was there. So it makes well, sense. Well, it br- brings up you know the <laughs> the question for themselves is like, oh my gosh, like it's a mirror. Relationships are so very important in life, and such a relationship, um, if you find someone that you can you help. Um, help you as a guide can be very invaluable to your journey to becoming a better person and doing good things and that's so different for every person you can actually learn also by being a guide to others sometimes you can learn best by teaching make yourself available to help other people and foster a genuine desire to see them thrive believe in the power of your actions to influence others when other people see you doing good they will be reminded to take more positive action themselves. Nurturing someone else and striving to be an example can help you see your own acts more clearly. And that's more like being the mirror. Delight in goodness. Instead of focusing on the bad things happening around you, find reasons to dwell on the good. Notice small kindnesses that you find yourself or other people doing and constantly remind yourself of the things for which you're grateful feeling like you are surrounded by good acts and nice people will inspire you to do more good yourself. Some helpful suggestions um, are here to uh, just remind us that, you know, we can go to one extreme or the other. And like Buddha suggests, as we take a middle road, don't be so nice and constantly helpful that people take advantage of you. Part of being a good person is helping others become better people. Doing everything for someone who is capable of taking care of themselves is not helpful to either of you. Don't push your assistance on people who don't want it. If someone is telling you they don't want your help, 
there vocalizing it. Just apologize if you presumed it and bow out gracefully. Don't trust your mind alone. Your ideas and preconceptions are often not enough to define the good in a given situation. A person can believe their own headlines to the point of mania. mania. Also remember that your humility is one of the most subtly persuasive powers at your disposal. Step back and figure out what your heart tells you. Try to see your beliefs or actions objectively. No one can be perfect. Well, except me. <laughs> oh, I'll agree. <laughs> yeah, you too. We're perfect. <laughs> The Chinese would say that you have to know, uh, to know perfection, you have to have imperfection. So Mm -hmm. I definitely embody that. (laughs) I practice that every day. Uh, Yeah, there you go, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Theodore Roosevelt had some good advice. He said, do what you can with what you have, where you are. So it just, uh, that's really the secret to life. Now, Kip Mazui, who I don't know who that is, but that person said, if you really want to live in love and bliss, then make every action devotional. Whatever you are doing, devote your attention to that happening instead of focusing on the outcome. Say you are walking to get a glass of water. Usually the mind is focused on the water, on quenching the thirst. The walking itself is forgotten. It is almost regarded as an obstacle. In this, the mind will distract itself during the walking, thinking about other things to just bypass the walking altogether. And in this way, life passes you by. But if you become devotional to that walking, if you surrender your attention into the walking itself, then your whole experience will be entirely different. I do not mean concentration. Concentration implies a doing, a focusing on a fixed object or action. Rather, simply surrender your involvement with thoughts. Surrender all ideas of yourself and immerse yourself fully in the walking. You rest your full attention in allowing the walking to happen without involvement, without obstruction, without resistance. Your attention naturally wants to rest in this moment. In this, you get to the essence of what is walking, and that is divine. You realize the divine in everything. The same consciousness is moving everything. And in this devotion, in lovingly giving your attention to whatever you are doing, you are immersed in the absolute. You are immersed in and as consciousness itself. You are alive in every moment. Then you really live in love. Life in this moment no longer becomes an obstacle to what you want. Rather, this moment is fullness itself. It is peace itself, love itself, being consciousness bliss. So the 13th chakra. That's it. That's it. And, you know, according to the dictionary, if you look at the word bliss, bliss comes from Middle English before the year 1000. And it means a feeling of extreme happiness or ecstasy, a spiritual joy, a condition of supreme well-being and good spirits. And, and those words from Kip were, that was it. It's not about the walking of the water. It's about really living your life as a devotion, as a practice, and becoming that conscious bliss. Well, and as you're becoming, then you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vera Nazrin in the Perpetual Calendar of Inspiration shared, Love is made up of three unconditional properties in equal measure. Acceptance, understanding, appreciation. If you remove any one of the three and the triangle falls apart, which, by the way, is something highly inadvisable. Think about it. Do you really want 
to live in a world of only two dimensions. So for the love of a triangle, please keep love whole. That's with a big W. How do we love unconditionally? When we look closely at this goal, you do not see or experience two. It is all one. Mer uh, Carol McKibben said, if a dog can love us unconditionally, why can't we love each other in the same way? Because they're smarter. <laughs> <laughs> There's a book called Wisdom from the Dogs. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's just very interesting watching. If you really just take, you know, five minutes and, and if you don't have a, a pet or animal or a dog to, um, you know, observe, go to a park and observe. Observe the interactions that are going around and when people walk by with an animal or if um, two dogs meet. Um, it's very interesting because the experience is, is something you won't normally have without having the experience. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to describe because like um, for me personally, I have two golden doodles, and so those are that's a mix of a poodle and a golden retriever. So they're fairly uh, large cre creatures and very gentle, um, but very smart. And we have learned uh, in our daily walks all of the dogs in our neighborhood. <laughs> we don't know the names of the people, but we know the names <laughs> of the dogs. <laughs> As we're trying to keep up with them all, you know, so it, it's just very much an experience that, you know, how many times do you walk up to somebody and say, hmm, who are you? <laughs> it's, it's, oh, I remember your dog name. Can I d introduce myself? You know. <laughs> well, at least we don't have to sniff any butts. I guess that's, that's true. You know. <laughs> now, don't you have that book on your website? I thought you had that book on your website. Is that accurate? Which one? Um, the Wisdom from Dogs. Uh, that no, that would be a good one to put on there. Oh, okay. Okay. So themightymuser.com and click on products, right? Yeah. Okay. There it There's is. Uh, some happiness books and variety there as we're finding them and discussing them. And WikiHow has some more suggestions. Um, to think of love as an action. This is concerning unconditional love, which is a great goal. It's really hard to really uh, know if you can attain it or not, because it, it seems elusive. It's not a feeling, it's an action when you think of love. A feeling is something we get from someone, and when we get, when we stop getting it, we often change our behavior somehow. If we have to do something or be a certain way in order to receive love, that love is conditional. Instead, if you start thinking of love as the behavior itself, the reward becomes the feeling you get when you act in a certain way, not when someone else acts a certain way. And you can continue acting this way all the time, regardless of how people be behave. It becomes an act of generosity. As Stephanie Dowrick says, love is not love except when it is generous. Feelings cannot last, but you can renew them continuously with new actions. Always ask yourself, um, even if someone doesn't apologize, um, let's see, what is the most loving thing I can do for this particular person in this particular moment? Love isn't really one size fits all. What might be a loving act toward one person could be harmful to another person in that it doesn't help them get closer to becoming a truly happy human being. 
Unconditional love is a new decision you need to make in every situation, not a hard and fast rule you can apply to everyone at all the time. Remember that love doesn't mean making sure someone is always comfortable. If you be, believe loving someone is about fostering their growth, that one's always that opportunities for growth, most people acknowledge that pain and discomfort are part of the growth. And if you shield someone from all pain or discomfort, you're not loving them. So don't confuse loving someone with blindly making them comfortable, satisfying their desires, and shielding them from any kind of pain. If you do, you're only making it difficult for them to grow as human beings. So true. It's so true. You know, it's like that example we were just talking about where the kid, the kid didn't grow. The parent just solved their problem. And the mm -hmm. kid's going to go and do it again. So if we do too much for other people, we actually sabotage their self-growth. And we end up exhausting ourselves for no reason, right? <laughs> and then we feel frustrated and angry and on it goes. It's quite a spiral. It is. Consider that if love is unconditional, it is given to everyone freely, including yourself. Another reason that uh, the previous step is important is because you don't, if you don't follow it, you're well on your way to becoming a people pleaser which means you're not being unconditionally loving to yourself. That's very, really, really very much a, a step one situation where you want to apply it to yourself. Instead, of, instead, recognize the times when doing what is best for you will occasionally have you put out of sync with another. Marianne Redmarker, Red something, calls this <laughs> understanding the difference between tolerance and allowing mediocrity a plot in your garden. So you want to forgive people, even if they don't um, seem to deserve it in terms of looking at whatever the situation is. It's inherently loving to them, both them and yourself, to let go of your anger and resentment toward them. Keep in mind that forgiving is not something we do, but something we are. Again, don't mistake having or being willing to forgive for letting people walk all over you. How you act lovingly toward the other person will vary, but your ability to practice unconditional love will be clouded if you hold on to negative feelings. So allow yourself to reap the benefits. If you've ever had a moment when you practice unconditional love, whether spontaneously or deliberately, you probably felt energized and liberated, not drained and burdened. The more often you feel the former after acting a certain way, the more you're loving unconditionally. And it does take a lot of thought process to actually start a habit like this because you're typically going through your day from thing to thing in probably autopilot. And I know for myself, it's really keeping something in mind that's going to be helpful to bring you back to that space. It's a and practice. It's a it's practice. every day. Yeah. And Just like going, anything else. Going out and walking in, in the nature and other ways to actually experience things. You know, that you might not see or feel or hear every day is, is really very powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is the 13th chakra is, it's really related to the heart chakra. And so um, it might be helpful to just hear some descriptions from various observations on what loving unconditionally really means. So love in, uh, spiritual love is without expectation. It's selfless and it's always green. Generally, unconditional love will be with parents, brothers, sisters, close friends in respect of love. It means loving a person um, 
this unconditional love works on hopes. And when we have hopes on some people, we did not, we don't put those conditions there for any matter. And similarly, any unconditional love's birth comes on hopes. So an unconditional love comes from expectations. The, the unconditional love is a love with mutual respect, understanding, faith, and belief. Those are the expectations, that there's mutual respect, understanding, faith, and belief. Unconditional love is love that has no boundaries or limits. It's loving someone not just because you have to, but because you want to. It's loving someone just for the fact that they're human. This kind of love surpasses even romantic love, especially in the good that it creates. Unconditional love is a spiritual love, and unlike romantic love, unconditional love is constant. It may not bring you flowers, but it will also never leave you crying on your bed because you didn't receive a phone call from it. <laughs> it's the ability... <laughs> It's the ability to love someone because they are a person. It's loving someone for being them, even if you don't agree with how they think or the choices they make. It's not having to know someone to, in order to care about them. And how does it help the spiritual process? Well, by loving others in the spiritual way, we are accepting that we are all on a journey together. It's a joint effort to help each other through the struggles of life. Unconditional love is a love of all things that covers each other, the animals, the planets, the plants and the planet without condition. It's love from a heartfelt perspective. Now, unfortunately or sadly, most human beings on this world do not have or understand it. And it's evident by the way some religions will treat others that are outside of their religions. The way religions carry on their business of control or fear or subjugation of their congregations, the killing of people in wars and, and, and the destruction of forests. There's just so many examples. We all want to feel loved. We think about it, hope for it, fantasize about it, go to great lengths to achieve it and feel that our lives are incomplete without it. The lack of unconditional love is the cause of most of our anger and confusion. It is no longer an exaggeration to say that our emotional need for unconditional love is just as great as our physical need for air and food. So unconditional love, true love, is so different from the kind of love most of us have known all of our lives that it deserves a, both a name, real love, and a definition of its own, meaning real love is caring about the happiness of another person without any thought for what we might get for ourselves. It's also real love when other people care about our happiness unconditionally. It is not real love when other people like us for doing what they want. Under those conditions, we're just paying for love again. We can be certain that we're receiving real love only when we make foolish mistakes, when we fail to do what other people want, and even when we get in their way, but they don't feel disappointed or irritated at us. That is real love. True unconditional love and that love alone has the power to heal all wounds bind people together and create relationships far beyond our present capacity to imagine. There's only one kind of love that can fill us up make us whole and give us the happiness we all want. It's unconditional love, true love, real love It is unconditional love that we all seek and somehow we intuitively realize that anything other than that kind of love isn't really love at all it's actually an imitation of the real thing Wow that's cool. And, <laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we will be back and dive in some more power of unconditional love and thoughts. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Are you interested in actualizing your potential to be, do, and have more? If yes, then consider this your invitation. Intellike dates back to Aristotle, who used the word to describe the potential of a thing becoming itself. For example, a kitten has the intellike to become a cat. So what is human intellike? It's about discovering your destiny to live your freedom. Discover who you really are through one of the programs at www.humanintellike.com. Be who you are here to be. And remember, your life is a powerful expression of potential. Whether you activate that for its highest good or not is your choice. www.humanintellike.com. That's human, E-N-T-E-L-E-C-H-Y.com. Are you living your dream yet? If not, then why not? Everyone has a greatness inside of them to achieve what they deserve in their lives. But how do you find the motivation to get started? Tune in to Your Authentic Life with host Susan Cranston. Susan's advice, along with expert guests, will help you improve your relationships, start or change your career, and achieve the seemingly unattainable goal. Listen live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. To reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 346-9141. You may also send us an email to jewels at mightygems.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Mighty Gems. We are talking about unconditional love and how we uh, would best be uh, looking at it from ourselves and other people's and interactions with others. Being mindful of you know, it really becomes a situation being mindful of your new responsibilities and the power of the important interconnected aspects of yourself and your world around you. It is very important in this process to also include nature in that formula mix. Um, A lot of people don't look at things as a formula or systems, but it's one of those um, words that I've been finding out in when as I've been learning to um, think in different expanded ways, um, it becomes a structure so that you can put some things into context. All of nature's participants and environment is really ever-present and is waiting with unconditional love. As you start a daily habit of mindful awareness, you will become more spiritually aware of each of these and how abundantly the gifts are freely and openly shared. If you're opening to seeing and feeling. As you become aware, you also are likely to become aware of the responsibility to respect and care for aspects of the world that is and has been taken for granted. And some of this has to do with our own selves. We take ourselves for granted. As the concept of a mighty gem that we've been focusing on, you're probably experiencing an awakening to the world both inside yourself as well as around yourself. The new reality and responsibilities that come along with awakening also requires some new approach to your attitude and daily practices as you grow by carefully choosing how you use to your, your expanding consciousness. 
the vital key is to begin your day having a positive and spiritual purpose in mind as you plan out how you want to schedule and plan what you are doing. When you are showing the love and the joy from within without any demands or expectations, this is really stepping into the flow. As humans, we tend to choose and then possibly not remember (laughs) to actively participate in our choice as we get caught up in the process and activities related to the choices. It is important to stay connected and pay attention to how the choices are processing or not working and then to acknowledge that you might need to modify something if that what you expect is not happening. Aristotle said, educating the mind without educating the heart is no education at all. And I know for myself, um, as I've been changing and expanding um, and looking at options on how to start my day, um, the more that I spend in that spiritual connection, the more my day flows in such a powerful way that it's not a question anymore what, whether I do this or that. You know, it's, it's like I feel better when I do the, the particular steps that I take. And so now it's gotten to a point where I'm not asking myself, is this valuable? An interesting article showed up last week in the Seattle Times that relates to current happenings that I think is very exciting. It has to do with a study of the powerful effects of emotions conducted by the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. They have developed a tool they refer to as the acronym RULER, which I think is fun, R-U-L-E-R. R stands for recognize, U stands for understand, L stands for label, E is express, and R is regulate. This system is being introduced to more than 800 schools across the country. The teachers in these schools have reported that the approach has helped them to focus more on teaching rather than misbehavior. Next year, there will be some pilot programs being introduced into the middle and high schools. According to the article, emotions once were considered separate from thinking, bubbling up from the ancient depths of our brain, distractions to be squelched and not studied. Mark Brackett, the director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, starts the introduction based on science, rather than just talking about feelings. With the current focus on test scores, any presentations having to do with feelings could come across as a little hokey and part of some late self-help series being peddled. Through their continued focus research, they have closely studied how emotional intelligence can be used to prevent negative behaviors such as bullying. It is clear how feelings influence thinking. The RULER program has been in the schools since 2005 and starts with a tool called a mood meter. That is made up of four colored quadrants. It is designed to help students' vocabulary about emotions. Some teachers have reported that it helps students to think think about classmates' feelings and perspectives. And this is an important skill that is missing in our adult world outside and if, if you really look at this, this is such a profound finding because here we are with kids that are able to voice their emotions. They learn the language, not just how to spell it, but they're learning to integrate it in their knowledge and their feelings. And they're really developing some social skills that um, are not even existent in the adult world because people have been brought up in a different way. 
and is very much needed. Another couple of tools that have been shown to be successful, one is called the meta moment, which refers to the use of a few, few seconds after a flash of anger to take a deep breath before acting and to imagine what action would be for the best self. Wow, these are important to have anywhere. They're more than, I mean, when you have more than two people in a relationship, taking a moment just to position yourself and get beyond the feeling, how important is that? That's huge. Huge. The time spent in the educational arena has been noticed, and although it takes an extra focus in the classroom, parents of the kids being taught these tools are noticing their kids have a better attitude and are coming home more responsible. So wouldn't that be a flip side? If the kids come home and are more responsible than their parents. (laughs) (laughs) I could just see that one going over. (laughs) While the students benefit, it also requires that the adults learn the, the the how to use it at, at you know so that essentially they're in the training mode as well and they're getting educated. Some of the people who have been using the tools have com- commented, "You need to embody these skills and believe in it because otherwise you're going to sound like a used car salesman. It's not something that's going to come in and cure everything. When students learn to express their feelings." They can express themselves about their thinking, and it is going to convey more than just a test score evaluation. So here's a description of the um, what they're actually doing. The Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence conducts rigorous research on the power of emotions. They create programs that teach emotional intelligence to children and adults, so they have the skills they need to succeed at home, at school, at work, and in their communities. Their leadership in emotional intelligence started over 25 years ago. In the summer of 1987, their founder, Peter Salovey, was painting the walls of his house with his friend and colleague, John Mayer. The idea of emotional intelligence didn't exist yet, but the professors were um, fortuitous match. Peter studied emotions and behavior, and John studied the link between emotions and thought. Over fresh coats of paint, the two friends and collaborators lamented that theories of intelligence had no systematic place for emotions. Using each of their expertise, they articulated a theory that described a new kind of intelligence, the ability, ability to recognize, understand, utilize, and regulate emotions effectively from, you know, during everyday life. In a pivotal paper published in 1990, they described this revolutionary idea, which they called emotional intelligence. The idea caught on, and Peter and his laboratory at Yale became the field's most recognized leaders, pushing the field toward new discoveries and innovations. Today, that legacy continues at the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence under the guidance of the current director, Mark Brackett and Deputy Director Susan Rivers, one of Peter's former graduate students. Peter now serves as Yale's 23rd president and continues to guide the center in carrying out its mission. When Mark joined Peter as a postdoctoral fellow in 2003, he brought with him new ideas that defined who they are today. Under Mark's leadership, they applied their extensive research and expertise to transform the school from preschools to high schools and communities. 
Today they call the work that they're doing in the schools ruler, which I think is very uh, appropriate. It is an approach for teaching emotional intelligence in schools that was inspired by Marvin Meyer, a teacher who developed an emotional literacy program early in the 1970s. By partnering with experienced teachers, they crafted a research-based, field-tested approach that could be effectively integrated into the regular school day across the entire school. Rigorous evaluations of Ruler have been shown that it improves students' academic performance and social skills, and that it has the power to transform classrooms to be more supportive and student-centered. Maybe they can learn something. And applying the research to real-world practice is a central uh, mission. As more students adopt Ruler, they're going to be working to develop similar programs for new communities including businesses, governments, and families. They're committed to using the science and the practice of emotional intelligence to foster a compassionate society where also individuals have the emotional skills to live happier, healthier, and more productive lives. So how, I mean, that is so cool. And Mark Nolan shared an interesting comparative in the Seattle Times article that was showing the number of children that were sent to the principal's office for behavior problems um, in a fall semester before the ruler system and also after the system had been in, in there. In the years 2009 to 10, there were 437 kids that went to the principal's office. And in the years 2010 to 2011, there were 156. So that's like wow. a third Think about it, applying it not to the school system, but to a uh, community or uh, social system. This is just a single point of potential of what's possible. And when you expand it into the, the real world, that could be the power that has a total ripple effect. Absolutely. Well, you know, and that's what here, that's what Mighty Gems is all about. It's the ripple effect. And we're, we're talking about things that hopefully provoke you to think in, in, in new ways and see life in, in, from new perspectives. So um, a few things that you might want to think about uh, is that uh, you want to say no to the demands on your time that are not important to you. So take care of yourself. Make time for mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical support. Get enough sleep. Make time to have fun and exercise. These will not only help you get in shape, but they're also a way to release energy and stress. So remember to love and let go, love and let go, love and let go. It's the single most important thing we can learn in this lifetime. Savor the moments. Stop and pay attention because you can't get them back when they float in and out. And these can be the best things in life when you compare them to some of the other things that can happen. So savor those little moments. Remember that life unfolds if you get in the flow and that a seed does not need instructions to become a tree. You don't need instructions to become more of who you are, just be who you are. So savor the moments, build the habits, and uh, focus on being you yourself as a mighty gem. Uh, mighty Gems is about sparkling as 
the gems we are, focusing on our personal values, even if they begin as just having a perception of them. So uh, as you ponder the importance of what we've just shared as the sparkling feel-good energy, as we connect to ourselves, to nature, and to others with one insight, one choice, and one action, it's all just so fascinating. Broaden your perspective arena and go up and beyond and, uh, up and above and beyond where you've ever believed you can go and grow. Be the mighty gem you are. Feel good every day. And join us next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great weekend. <laughs> Thank you for joining Dee Lee for Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels. Be sure to come back for another great show next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you here next week. We'll be right back.